You are listening to something rather than nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. Uh, I think it's cool, not really any questions, but just like I think it's cool that you're doing this just because it's nice to have that creative outlet and it, it just kind of, it generates uh, interest. You know, I really liked uh, seeing that afterwards Sean was posting more videos and that really got me charged up, man. And, yeah. You know, and uh, it, there was just some really cool stuff and it's just nice to see like you've always like you know, you've always been someone I've really enjoyed talking to in general over the years, and I didn't know if it was because we kind of came from the same place in the world or what, but I just felt connected in some way, and so it was just nice to see you always had this kind of like uh, vigor, uh, passion for a thing, and and it's cool because like you see your friends kind of like producing something and being passionate about it and just doing it and not worrying about, you know, kind of what I was talking about before, like, Oh, I didn't get the proper microphone, so I can't do this. So, you know what I mean? Like you, you weren't worried about that. You just did it and it's good. And people are listening. I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. I, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, and part of it too, is I had to be um, deliberate about it too, because I had found that over 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 a few years that there was a lot of stuff I think I was acquiring like from the outside that wasn't my own. And a lot of those things had placed me in a position where I was like really creating a lot of um, excuses or barriers to me doing something. Right. So yeah. and, and, and even with this, with the podcast, you know, part of me was like, you know, I had recorded in the background, nobody really knew this, but, you know, starting this calendar year, I started recording in uh, February and I had like, you know, three, these three interviews that I, I didn't know what they were. I knew they were kind of cool, but I had them in the background. And then, you know, I'm like, I'm going to have to launch this thing. Like I have material and that, yeah. that leap, it was really strange one because I'm like, you know, what, what the, you know, you know, what happens like in your head, you're like, well, Oh, you know, why am I doing this? Like, is sure. this silly? Is this uh, stupid? I'm putting it out into the public. And what do I think <laughs> of the public? And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just exposing yourself uh, in, 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 in that a, way. It's know? a weird feeling. And I think I don't I don't know. I feel like as an artist, you you never get over that kind of like, this is my baby. This is what I'm passionate about. And putting it out there is kind of scary because you never know what the reaction is going to be. But at the end of the day, you look at the body of your work that you've been doing and like, you've already done what a dozen of these. More? Well, this will your, your episode be the uh, eighth episode and eighth episode. you know, one per week. Yeah. That's awesome. Like that's just so cool. And so you have that. And so you have a physical body of work and not that you don't already because you have paintings and, and you know, whatever else you do, uh, but it's just kind of a nice thing and you're putting your thoughts out there and podcasts are so interesting these days. I mean, they really allow people to just really put what they think out on into the world and it's a little scary, but I think at the end of the day, you're adding to a larger collective and you're positive. You know, if you're positive, I feel like that's a boon, you know? Absolutely. And, um, 
you know, uh, all right, I'm going to launch uh, Ethan and um, and get into the first question in just a moment. You're listening to Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and this week we have uh, artist um, Ethan Slayton. And i um, very excited to talk to Ethan, uh, who's uh, usually busy at work uh, illustrating and working hard uh, on his art. Um, he's somebody I've known for a while, um, but uh, get a chance to talk a little bit more uh, in depth about uh, your art. And so, uh, Ethan, I wanted to welcome, uh, welcome you onto the program. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me here, Ken. I appreciate it. It's nice to, nice to be here. Nice to talk to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know uh, because of what you know, what we've talked about, and uh, and and recall that you're a you know a Boston Bruins fan. You're from the New England area, um, yeah. uh, Vermont, and mm-hmm. I believe that makes you a Vermonster. Is is that correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... yeah. You're you're a Vermonster, <laughs> and then um, so uh, so tell so tell me about uh, young young Ethan uh, growing up. What were you interested in? What did what what did you do? What took up your time? I mean, everything, you know, like, uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to be a football player. I wanted to be a fireman. And this is, I'm talking about like 12 year old Ethan, you know, like I have pictures of me and a friend of mine in, in like his football gear and we were playing in our yard in in uh, Berlin, Vermont. And, you know, I just wanted to do everything possible. You know, I, I had no, I had no, uh, uh, immediate idea of what I wanted to do. Um, and then, um, I'm an only child. And so I think being an only child and being the, the grandson of a painter in Vermont, Ron Slayton, um, uh, my parents thought, well, uh, when we're cooking dinner or need a minute to ourselves, let's put some paper in front of this kid. And, um, a few years ago, my mom presented me with a gift and the gift was, a photo album and the photo album was all of my drawings that she had saved from when I was actually three years old. Wow. And it said, and she had written on the backs of them. She had done this intentionally for years and it says Ethan age three, Ethan age four. And they're just little squiggles, you know, basically little balloon faces with little smiley faces. And then they progress and I start drawing other characters, you know, and they're all like, you know, marker, you know, crayon drawings, but, uh, it was just kind of what I grew into and having my grandpa as a, as a living right next door to me, um, having him as an artist and an influence and just being really positive. Um, my parents being really positive and always wanting me to kind of develop and grow and see what else was out there. Um, and then one trip to Boston, uh, where my dad, uh, was doing a Zen retreat. My dad is a Buddhist and uh i my mom and i went with him it was this huge retreat and it was really cool and uh to keep me busy uh along with my sketchbooks and i was about i think i was about i might have been eight at this point so i'm going back a little bit uh we went to a drugstore we went to like a general store and they had the you know, remember the comic book racks in the yeah, the, spin the spin racks the spin, the spin racks yeah uh, hey kids comics and my dad bought me three comics and I only remember what two of them were. I think one of them might've been an Avengers, but I'm not really sure. Uh, but the one that I remember very vividly was Shang-Chi master of Kung Fu. 
and uh, the Devil Dinosaur, Jack Kirby's Devil Dinosaur number seven. And those basically, I ate those up. You know, it was like, what is this? This is so cool. Uh, I loved dinosaurs as a kid. Like, I've always loved, you know, dinosaurs and monsters and uh, medieval, you know, ancient religions and civilizations. And and so Devil Dinosaur kind of, like, keyed into a lot of that. And then Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, where he's nunchucks and kung fu and everything and it's a different world i mean i was just i was sold (laughs) you know and so like that uh kind of interestingly enough you know so i was into art i was into sports and it's funny because i I haven't done sports in years i was actually on the cross-country ski team in vermont when i was about 16 or 17 uh to look at me now you wouldn't know it (laughs) um but uh I just kind of like, you know, uh, developed and had all these opportunities, uh, growing up in Vermont, I skied everywhere. Um, you know, hiked a lot. Uh, every summer my dad and I would go up Camel's hump and, uh, I remember going up Mount Mansfield and just really gorgeous, uh, area. And so that, I think growing up in that area in Vermont really also kind of informed, uh, my love of art because I believe that the more you experience, the more your art uh, benefits from that, whatever your art is, whether it's music or drawing or writing or whatever. Um, and so I think I really lucked out. So uh, you mentioned the, you mentioned the, the, the book that your mom had kept and put together, yeah. you know, all, all together, um, what you had worked on. Yeah. Did you, did, did you end up uh, developing the creative process, um, that you use way back then and it's continued? Um, tell us about your process and whether that's something you've just used for a while when and I'm talking about when you're sitting down to draw yeah. and to create. I think everything with me, as far back as I can remember, pretty much starts with a visual, uh, in my head, something clicks, um, and I have to get it down or I really want to get it down on paper and I'll sketch it out, uh, maybe a couple of times, maybe it'll go away. Maybe it won't stick around, but if it sticks around, I want to work on it a little bit and I'll refine the penciling. I'll work with pencil first and then I'll go into inks and that, but, Honestly, the stuff that hits me is stuff that I think about if I'm doing whatever, you know, kind of like what I was talking about before, like if I'm out skiing or if, years ago, of course, uh, or just out walking nowadays, you know, um, or hanging out with friends or conversation comes up or some piece of music hits and it, it kind of incites this vision in my head. Um more often than not, I'll jot it down or I'll just remember it and take that to the drawing board. And, uh, and that, that typically ends up as an illustration, you know, a single illustration. And then comic book wise, um, sometimes those illustrations will become uh, a comic story that I'm writing or working on. Like Lucas, Lucas, uh, came from a visual of a father and his son out chopping wood because I used to chop wood with my dad out in Vermont in the wintertime. And Lucas is very much about, you know, this, this father and son mentality, uh, or story setting. And, uh, um, that 
story grew off of a visual that I did of a huge like log cabin with some kind of like medieval stuff. And then uh, over time, I realized I'm just not going to have the time to draw all this as um, detailed as I have it in this picture. So I kind of cartoonized it and put it into what Lucas is, which is uh, kind of an anthropomorph- anthropomorphized rabbit. That's that's about it. Yeah. Is that the word? <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I and I and I love that I love that character and uh, not but to jump in right here I love that character. There's something about even just uh, the 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 single image of that character that 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 draw that draws you in, um, and um, also the elements of the story uh, that you talk about it really evokes and really brings you into uh, that world rather quickly. So it didn't surprise me that much that when you described how that came about in your head, that there was more to it, that, that there was a world to it, because I, I really picked up on, uh, on that. And I believe that that story or that character is something you're going to continue uh, on a, on a larger scale. Is that correct? No, actually, that's the funny part. Uh, it became a short story. Okay. And that's the short story. That's Lucas. That's done. Um, but I do get asked that question quite a bit from people who have read the book and liked it. And they're like, is there going to be more? I'm like, I kind of killed his, you know, not to give any away any endings, but no. Right, Uh, right, right. You know, um, because I'm also a fan, like you mentioned earlier, of horror. And I love, and suspense, like Twilight Zone. I mentioned Twilight Zone, uh, the black and whites, the original series. It's definitely more suspense, but it's, but to me, the term horror can be what fills you. It doesn't have to be like, oh, look, there's a psycho killer stabbing and there's blood and heads and gore. Horror can be how you react. So it can be how you feel about a situation if you put yourself in that situation. And so to me, the Twilight Zone is terrifying, right? But I also love it. I love it so much. And so I really enjoy that kind of, that vehicle of "Here's here's a window into this world that we've created because we have something else to say about it, but we just are going to end it here because this is the story. This is the crux. There's something else here and we're letting you figure out what that something is. And we're just going to go on and tell another story. And that's so, uh, Lucas is a part of a larger project called the October ages and the October ages is eventually going to be an anthology of horror stories that I've been working on for a long time, um, and just when time allows, of course, and putting my own money into it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I appreciate the, uh, I, I'm glad that you saw something else uh, behind the, the artwork because that setting and that world of Lucas, uh, you know, I, I, I draw stuff and write stuff that I, that I wanna read, that I wanna think about and you know maybe there's something else there you know but i don't know i i just really enjoy uh creating that element that i grew up in not the horror element of course but uh the stuff that i love the stuff that i know like a a forested winter surrounding family setting um 
Yeah, and I, I, and I, can't I, I put horror in there. <laughs> well, right. Well, and, and on that, too, you know, I can tell you that when it comes to that setting, whether it be northern New England, Vermont. Sure. And, you know, that was a vacation place for my family. And, you know, growing up, we didn't we didn't travel much. That was the vacation in the summer. And it was being transported from the city, you know, from the city outside of Providence, Rhode Island to a different world. Right. So I can be sensitive in connecting to, um, you know, to, to, to parts of the imagery, whether it is with the forest or being outside. Um, and it's, it's, it's very powerful in, in, in that's there. I want to ask you a question about, um, and I, I really liked your approach to, you know, talking about, horror and and what that is it definitely brought more of a kind of like a a subjective experience of of the viewer the person who's interacting with um the you know the story and what impacts um the audience as as being horror i wanted to ask you um you have you know a series where you're creating uh, monsters and you've done a lot of work you know with for, for gaming and the uh, visuals as far as uh, characters in uh, in the gaming world you played a lot of D and d you've done you've done all those things and in uh, there's this monster theme and what I realized or what I thought in looking at your monsters is that some of them were some of them felt like they might be horror, right? Like they might be something you definitely an encounter this, like in a horror right. context. And a lot of them were just like a monster, like some sure. sort of different being. So you, you, you create a, you know, a series uh, about monsters. So what, what makes something fit that category for you? What's a monster? Um, that's a good question. Uh, a monster, uh, you know, Technically speaking, a monster is something that is uh, monstrous, uh, that is uh, out of the realm, beyond the realm of the ordinary. You know, so a monster could be uh, a human form, but with some abnormal trait. You know, so like if I've got long claws and fangs and and wolf eyes, uh, but I look like me. You might crack up, but but I might be a monster, you know. Uh, I don't know. And then and then you can get into like, I think uh, you can definitely definitely get into the existential idea of a monster is something that is somebody that actually does horrible shit uh, to somebody else. And they do it willfully and almost with a sense of enjoyment behind it. And so you have you have another definition of monster. It can be bestial in form, physical, and it can be bestial in mentality. Uh, and I think it really comes down to the story behind the image that I that I'm creating. You know, uh, someone might ask me to do. I don't know, a couple of uh, drawings of an orc or, uh, you know, a were pig or something weird. And I, I kind of, I get just the brass tacks of that image, like what it's wearing, if the client wants me to do that or whatever. But then as I'm working on it, I, ha- I end up attaching my own story to it. 
because if I don't do that, I definitely have done stuff where I haven't done that because it's just timing and I needed to get stuff done and it always suffers. The art always suffers. So for me, having just little story elements about the creature, you know, if it's a monster, if it's something that's uh, monstrous in form, I want to know a little bit more about it. If it's monstrous in personality, I definitely want to know a little bit more about it because that will inform the acting of the image that I'm drawing. Uh, for instance, if you've got um, a creature that is uh, into skinning, you know, other humans. Sorry, folks. It's a little gross. We're talking about monsters. My apologies. We're on monsters and horror right now. We're good. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you could probably... And, and then they're not going to say that in the text of the format that the image is placed on. So I have to kind of inform the the viewer through the image that I'm drawing. And so it speaks to the viewer and says, oh, this guy's a bad guy. This guy's a villain. Uh, you know, whether he's got, you know, horns coming out of his head, just as an example, or like I said earlier, like fangs and claws um, that's one thing, but if the character is just kind of standing stock still, it doesn't really evoke anything in the, in the reader, um, or the viewer. But if I've got him kind of like crawling on all fours coming at the viewer and just kind of sneering towards the viewer, I mean, that's going to create a whole different element. Um, and so I really, I really kind of look at that and say like, okay, well, that's how I create a monster and that's what a monster is to me. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it helps. It helps to to think about it in a, in a, in a, in a couple of ways, and I think comic books are probably a good way to be able to do both because what you okay. describe is like inherent within the visual. You there's there's action or aspects that you're going to see that are going to be um, that are going to evoke a certain background story of what that being is, but also you know comic book guys, right? I mean origin stories it's all about origin stories as well right like we need to know how and what's the authentic origin story and like why did this happen in this way so you know and that's where the words can come in as well but i think your answer really evokes you know kind of um both you're going to see it within the image and you're going to be given some of it you know like where does this where does this you know uh being uh come from i had i never really thought much about like monsters as like more of a like an intellectual concept until a a friend of mine actually does a course on them and studies them and uh and uh, i've tried to get her on this podcast she she doesn't she's kind of shy about it um but i i love the formal aspect of 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 studying you know what appears as monstrous because i i've always just assumed it's reflective of you know you know, who we are, right? I mean, if it's oh, monstrous 100%. to us or the, the individual or to society, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, when you talk about monsters and talk about the world today, you know, look at the world today. I mean, it's just filled with monsters. I mean, uh, you don't have to be a deformed physical uh, being to be a monster. Uh, you can just be somebody who just hates on somebody else because of their skin color I mean, it's always been the case, but you're, in my mind, that's a monster. You know, someone who is just treacherous uh, and taking away people's rights because they don't like that person or that what that person's life wants to be, that's a monster. Uh, you know, right. and so we, we really, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Did I get off base there a little bit? No, I mean, I think that's 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 the question, right? I mean, the like look, yeah. like I said, once I once I looked at the question, like you know, what's a monster, and I haven't gone that far into it, but it was really evocative because there's completely a political element. There's there's oh. an element that's reflective of you know, kind of like the gestalt of you know the society or the like mass psychology. And why certain things are horror at one time and, and and not another. I mean, you could see like even the predominance of like yeah. nucle- nuclear horror, nuclear holocaust. You know, our fears are so pressing at that point that that's what comes out. But, oh, sure. you know, n- nuclear terror or nuclear horrors hasn't gone away or the fear of it. It's just uh-huh. manifests itself. It's, it's uh, a friend of mine. Uh, this was roughly 10, 12 years ago. Um, this is right around the time when The Walking Dead was starting to be a thing. Uh, so maybe more than this, you know, maybe 15 years ago. It was starting to be a real thing. It hadn't, the show hadn't started yet, you know, uh, but it was starting to make real waves in the comic book world. And uh, and so there were, and then, and then after The Walking Dead's success, uh, there were a lot of comics uh, that were coming out that were zombie centric. Um, and zombies were the monster of the day. And a friend of mine, she's like, she said, uh, she asked me, she said, uh, why, why do you think zombies are so popular nowadays? And I said, and I really thought about it and I said, you know, that's a good question. I think it's because, and I, and I kind of used the idea of the title, the walking dead, uh, because you know, in the comic in the walking dead, uh, they very aptly put the walking dead is us. And I, I kind of used that. I, I kind of said, you know, I think to a large degree, we are the walking dead. You know, our votes don't feel like they're going through. Uh, we have a Republican president at the time. I think it was, um, you know, it, it, and we all just felt like our votes didn't matter, you know? Uh, and it just, we felt stifled, you know? And I think, when you feel stifled and you feel powerless, you feel like a zombie. You get up in the morning, you go to work, you drink coffee, you take a dump, you go to bed, you know, and, and you do it again and you're put on repeat. And if you have no voice, if you have no uh, means of creating a better life for yourself, you feel like a zombie. And so I think that's why zombies became so popular because it was just such a a giant metaphor in a large degree. And then of course the popular, <laughs> the popular, uh, you know, I can't wait for a zombie apocalypse so I can just go kill some zombies, you know? But I think also that says something about stress levels of America and the world where we just want to go home and play video games and kill zombies because we have to work off, off all this stress. And so that's the fun game of like, Oh man, if it was a zombie apocalypse, you know? And so I think, monsters serve as metaphor very much so i mean we've already kind of like touched on that but at the same time uh they serve as reminders uh and maybe that's still a metaphor they serve as a reminder to me um as to what we can become if we're not careful um you know dracula the the story of dracula is a very uh, very much a story about uh what can happen if you let uh, if you if you become obsessed with love or you become obsessed with a person, uh, you know, I'm not saying you're going to sell your soul to the devil and drink blood for eons, but hey, you know, uh, metaphor, right? Um, right? 
so it's it's important it's interesting uh so what's the what's the role of i mean i i definitely i definitely uh hear you know that the, the explanation and you know the the meaning of zombies in the culture and i i think you hit on a lot of good points there so what's the role in 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 art what's the role in music or or comic books or books or popular me. art in you know in i mean if that is the dynamic, what's the role of art in trying to, um, you know, break break into that of some sort? It's about waking people up. I mean, not everything is – not all art is about waking people up. But honestly, uh, you can attach that to a lot of stories that are out there. Uh, I was just reading um, Marvel Comics 1000, and there's some great commentary in there about how uh, we need to be careful about making sure that everyone's equal – um, and that's, I'm paraphrasing, but, uh, it, it's interesting to me that I keep seeing very bold, powerful statements in comics, uh, that, you know, and, and it's been doing it for years. Um, and it always makes me happy. It always, always, always makes me feel like, okay, I'm not the only one who thinks, you know, cripes, what are we doing to each other? You know, uh, these writers definitely feel that way. These creators definitely feel that way. So I, you can look at a comic and say, eh, I can just throw that in the trash after reading it and get nothing from it. Sure. But if you really read it, maybe there's something in there for you. And that art, that art, what that art I think is doing is trying to say, hey, be aware, be awake. Um, you know, and uh, you sure you could throw it. I I don't want to, I don't want to get on that subject. I was thinking of the word propaganda, but that's not correct. Um, this again, I think is talking about metaphor, uh, how, how art can inform a culture and can warn a culture of saying, Hey, we're headed down the same path we were headed down before. You know, music does that all the time. Musicians do that all the time when they're on stage and they have something to say about a song they're about to perform. Uh, writers, I mean, obviously poets. You know. Uh, well, tell us, tell us about, tell us about your your work as as a mus as as a musician. I mean, and, that, and, <laughs> you know, that, and and tell us, I mean. Because, I mean, in describing your process and your approach, I think one of the things that really, what I was really interested in is that you have that one process, but you also, I think there's two pieces with your music. One is that you've done it, and I just want to hear a little bit about that process and your time with that. And connected sure. to that is the darker themes that are in a style of music that we both like a lot in various forms oh, okay. of it, of, of, of heavy metal. So, so, so tell us a little bit about that, uh, about, about music. Uh, so our process when we were the deep sea vents, uh, was very much, um, we just wrote about worlds we wanted to see. Uh, we wrote about, you know, uh, horrific, uh, planescapes and, uh, we wrote about Krakens under the sea and stuff like that. But, um, we threw a thrash doom metal kind of vibe on it. And it wasn't more, I think, than it was definitely our art form. It was our riff structures. It was trying to communicate 
a feeling of a different environment than the one that we're already in. And so it was definitely an escape, you know, and I think escape is good. I think art can definitely, that's another great thing that art and music can do. They offer an escape so that you can go out and just kind of, you, we need to, as, a, as human beings, we need to just like, we need to let go. We need to think about things. We need to act on things and we need to be aware of things, but we also need to give ourselves a break because otherwise we're just going to be tired all the time and we can't get beaten down. And so sometimes art will give you this great release. It will give you the ability to just thrash around with your friends and have a good time. And then, you know, you go home exhausted and you pass out and you wake up the next day feeling invigorated because everyone was in that pit with you and they were feeling good and there was a community there. And that's what music can give you is that community to a large degree. And you don't, you don't feel alone anymore. You know, you, you, you feel connected. And so it might be a song about escapism, but everyone came together and needed that. And then allowed that allowed them to kind of like have this, this, um, nadir of, of, explosive energy and then the pass out happens. And so you have the, uh, uh, you know, you, you have the contrast where you, you sleep and then you get energized from that sleep and you're able to go out and do more and you're able to go out and write your senators and your congressmen and et cetera and, and fight more because that stuff's tiring and it's not what you want to do, but then you see the horror stuff that's out there and then you have to do it. Um, so it might not seem like, so our music definitely didn't seem like activists music, but I think it, it definitely held a world for people to go and visit and feel creative. You know, I think a lot of our creativity came from just those visuals that we were singing about and those sound, uh, bites that we were doing, the, the, the riffs, the music we were creating and, uh, allowed people to come together in a, in a, in a, kind of a unified mentality and like, Oh, that was really cool. Or, Oh, that was terrible. I hope that doesn't happen to our world. Uh, I don't know. It, but definitely a release, a release for me. I mean, it's definitely uh, a catharsis, you know, playing my bass uh, at 80 miles an hour for a half an hour and just bellowing at the top of my lungs and, and coming away and feeling light and feeling like just, I'm, I'm weightless, you know, and, and, I did that with my friends and some of my friends saw that and it created that energy, a good positive flow, which a lot of people don't identify positivity with heavy music, but there's a That's big right. amount of yeah. positivity with heavy music. There's positivity with all kinds of music, but like the stigma of heavy metal is everyone's an angry, hateful person who listens to heavy metal. And that's been taken away to a large degree I feel like, um, but it's still there. And I think once you go to a show or something and you, you, you watch people and you talk to people and you interact with people, it's less of a chest beating experience and more of a like handshaking experience, you know, like, Hey, thanks for coming out. You know, uh, I'd, I'd, ag I'd, I'd agree with, with, with metal. And I think you hit a, a popular stereotype. I mean, yeah. I think it's a style of music where you're going to attract, you're going to attract unhinged oh, fringe, yeah. fringe elements. Like there's no doubt, given the level of aggression and some of the imagery and stuff like you're going to attract that. Right. So but here's, yeah, 
And right. here's the thing, not to cut you off, I just want to touch on this real quick, but the, here's yeah. the thing, the people that aren't like that, they'll see those unhinged individuals and nine times out of ten, they'll kick them out of the venue. They don't True. want that. They don't want that energy. They, they want people to have a good time and go home safe. You know, they want people I, yeah. to have. A, they want people to have a, a, an artistic experience, a fun experience, a music experience. If if someone's going to come in and be a jerk, they they want them out of there. I I, I completely uh, agree with that, and I you know, and I've seen that, and you also see some of the couple components I've seen at, at metal shows, even the heaviest uh, of metal shows or the darkest type of metal is, you definitely see um, a community. You see a lot of people very concerned about the safety of others. In you know, they're having more aggressive fun there, yep. um, but also a very kind of almost spiritual element when you've seen you know, kind of how people respond to, to, to the power of that music. And that's that, I think that's the piece where, you know, why are metal fans the way that they are and why they tend to be <laughs> kind of per- permanent metal fans. It's for, for those, those larger, um, those, those larger components, um, uh, of, of the music. And, and I'm, I was, it was great to hear you, your experience, uh, in, in playing and, and how much, um, you know, how much you enjoyed and, and what that, uh, what that uh, did for you? One of one of the big I got a couple big questions, Ethan, and, and one of them is uh, a, a big one. You, we've I, I've heard I've heard components or characteristics of things uh, that we've you know called art, um, you know artistic objects, and um, there's a couple components I heard you know within your answer. One is kind of like to you know to jar or to unsettle, um, you know possibly uh, to awaken, but. Um, I don't want to assume too much about your answer. Um, what is art? Art, uh, (laughs) I mean, this is the big, uh, this is the response that's going to get a lot of groans, but it's the, I keep coming back to it. Uh, art is everything. I mean, it's really legitimately everything. Um, there's art in how people walk down the street there's art in how people talk there's art in how people i don't you know get up in the day and make themselves happy and create you know a great cup of coffee there's art in that um art i think beyond that i think on a day-to-day basis art is something that makes you think Art is, uh, but it's also, I think it's also something that, uh, gives you, um, a reaction, uh, whether it's good or bad, uh, uh, funny, um, sad, you know, um, I think it's just, it can be anything that you think it is, uh, and that is a very existential answer, but that is the most honest answer I can really come up with because it's different for everybody. You know, it's not the same for me as it is for somebody else. Yeah. And it, you know, part of, part of the thing with this question, I mentioned it on, on another episode is that, 
it's it's a it's it's a quirky one because I think a lot of people engage in assessments about what art is or isn't. They do that a lot with music. I think I had mentioned, you know, that this is this is art or that was real music. You know that there's this elevated status about something. So they're saying, you know, there's there's a, a sorting process with each person, each person, right, who's thinking about it, saying this is, this isn't, this is great, this is terrible. And, um, so everybody grapples with the question, um, because they're making statements and making qualitative, uh, judgments. So it's one I really like to ask, and I've thought about it myself. And I think really it matters how I'll answer that question. It has, it might have to do with the conversation that I had before or what I just listened to or something like that. And I, I think that it, it has a it, it has this component where um, it's to the situation or what you're feeling at that time. Not that it's that loose, but yeah. I've certainly answered the question, what is art a lot of different ways and not just at different times of my life, just in you know from one week to the to the next. So I, I do appreciate your response. And because um, we watch, yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and what we're gonna think fits into that category. Another another uh, big question, super super big one, and I mentioned the uh, guess. You know, we can apply this to to art or you know the process of sure. uh, making things or what comes before. But uh, the 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 big question is, why is there something rather than nothing? Uh, because if there was nothing, um... man, that's a tough question. <laughs> It does the same thing to everybody. It does yeah, <laughs> because because if there was nothing, what are we fighting for? You know, uh, there has to be something. Uh, I don't know. I think I think there's I think it's a deep question. I really do. It's like a deep cut. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> it's a it's a uh, it's a lot heavier. Uh, I think it's literally that's very close to why are we here? Why? Well, it's 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 fundamentally why why is that? And there's questions like this. I mean, for me, it's part of the experience of of asking questions, and you know, and I think questions you know, kind of like they explode. They can explode a conversation and have it go in different directions. But yeah. you go back to Socrates. I mean, the, the, this is the answer to why Socrates was 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 killed because. You know, he would ask, you know, he'd ask these questions. People like, you know, why are you asking me that? Like, that's really annoying. Like, (laughs) I'm a just, I am a just man. And uh, because it is so, don't ask questions about what is justice. Sure. uh, So, but it's a, there's a great creative aspect um, uh, uh, to it. And I've always, um, I've always appreciated the the responses. Uh, Ethan, um, at the at the end of uh, each episode, I kind of just open it up, um, you know, hearing about some of the projects you have been working on and things that you're doing. I, I think I always like to uh, have you share, you know, w- where things are going or what you're planning or thinking about as far as, you know, yourself as a creator, as as an artist and, you know, what what listeners can take away. Um, well, very, very, obviously we're talking about monsters. Uh, I run a Patreon called monster weekly 
And every week I put up a video, a process video of my work, uh, doing the artwork, drawing the monster, and then uh, I'll do a secondary post for that monster uh, with the completed monster and kind of my process about that. And people are free to ask questions and, uh, you know, uh, ask me anything about the process. Um, and that's a lot of fun. And it just kind of gets me to the drawing table a bit more. Um, so that's, uh, that's been a fun thing. Uh, it just kind of gives me a little discipline, uh, which I definitely need. Um, right now, uh, so I have, as I mentioned earlier, the October ages anthology of horror stories that includes Lucas, which was my first self-published, uh, mini zine at the indie, uh, comic con, uh, Portland indie con that I saw you at, uh, which was awesome. And so, and they're going to do it. Apparently they're going to do a second one. So I'm going to definitely go to that one. Hopefully I'll have another zine. Uh, so I'm trying to do all the short stories that I've got together and then eventually compile them into one larger book, uh, one anthology. And, um, that's, that's years in the making. That's my own free time. Um, at the moment I've been, uh, I've been, uh, locked down, uh, as it were, uh, to do a project that I can't get into right now, unfortunately, but I hope will bear fruit uh, soon. It should be done by the end of the month. And um, then another one that I was hoping to have done by the end of the summer, but with uh, summer being the way it is and needing to make money and commissions, hasn't gotten to that point yet, but we finished writing uh, most of issue one, and we've got issues two, three, and four bullet pointed and ready to go. We know where the story is going. We just have to flesh it out. We're in the hard part now. Uh, a four issue to five, four to five issue miniseries uh, entitled The Year, and I'm co-writing that with my one of my best friends, Kirsten Haynes, and um, we're basically taking our love of Dungeons and Dragons uh, and doing a um, fan fiction of our own campaign and uh, we're asking the question: uh, What is it? What is what is a year in the life of a of an adventurer? And the the comic is entitled "The Year." So I've got a bunch of projects on 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 tap, and uh, I'm tired, but I'm happy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as it goes. But also driven, and uh, it's you know, uh, and then I've got you know my second year of school coming up, so that'll be fun. Uh, throwing all that into it. Oh, and in 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 good luck with all of that. And I tell you that the, the year the the year sounds. Um, you know, sometimes you hear about a, a story or a project, you'd be like, particularly in in uh, you know this Amazon America, it's like I want it right now. <laughs> I want it. Yeah. I, I want that issue right now. But uh, but, uh yeah. certainly um, uh, look forward to it. And um, yeah, and I really appreciate you sharing um. Uh, you, you know what what you're working on uh, going forward here um it, really appreciated chatting with you you know philosophy and and, and monsters and comic books in D D. it's 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 a real thrill and one of the pieces i really like about what you have to talk about is 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 really these different worlds um uh that you can that you can enter and that you help um create and i just wanted to take the time uh you know to thank you for that and to thank you for being a guest on uh something rather than nothing thanks for having me man i really appreciate it it's nice to talk to you and it's uh it's nice to hear that uh, those worlds are appreciated you know Absolutely. 
thanks ethan and hope you have a great uh great labor day <laughs> thank you ken you too man take care brother you too bye-bye You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing.